And I will have you turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we will be reading verses 8 through 22. We're making our way through what is called the uh, Hall of Faith, if you will. We've uh, we've been talking about uh, Jesus better than anything, you know, through uh, all of Hebrews. And, and the overarching idea here is, is that the writer of Hebrews wants to keep us from apostasy. He wants us to, to keep us from turning to something other than Christ. And, and so he talks about this, this faith and, and shows us faith of Old Testament uh, people. And in fact, last week, uh, when we took a look at the early part of this chapter, he defined faith for us in, in verse 1, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And as he talks about uh, different people from the Old Testament, they all give us a little different twist on what faithful living looks like. And uh, we spoke of uh, Abel. Uh, we looked at him last week. And by faith, he brought an acceptable sacrifice to God. God had told him what he needed to bring, and, and he brought that, whereas uh, Cain did not. And uh, it was uh, wonderful uh, to look at Abel because uh, God has told us what we need to bring as a sacrifice, and it is his son, it is Christ. We have uh, the perfect sacrifice to bring uh, to God. And, and then we also saw Enoch by faith. Enoch drew near to God, walking with God, submitting everything he did, everything he said and, and thought and listened to and watched, everything he brought uh, uh, under submission to God. Uh, we spoke of Noah and how uh, Noah was told a flood was going to come. And, and uh, by faith, he built an ark. Even though he was far away from the water, he changed his, his whole life because he knew this, whole, this thing was going to happen. A flood was going to come and either uh, he would perish in the flood or he would build the ark and, and it would be salvation. And uh, by faith, he built the ark. And it was this reminder, God has told us He's coming again. Jesus is coming again. And so we change our whole lives based on that, knowing he is coming. And it will be a day of judgment for some and a day of salvation for others and, and how we uh, now live our lives uh, knowing uh, salvation in Christ. And, and so uh, those were the three we spoke of last week. Now this week is a pretty famous person. We have Abraham. And if you know your Bible, uh, you, you've heard of Abraham at least. And so uh, we will read uh, about him. And there will be a few others uh, at the end of this passage. But let me begin uh, by reading Hebrews chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 8. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. 
By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and the truths that you speak to us. We ask that as we look at this passage that your, your word will be firmly planted in our hearts and that you will uh, teach us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. There was a, a phrase I heard as, as a child uh, growing up, and, and the phrase was kind of troubling to me. Uh, not the meaning so much, but just the image of it. And the phrase is this one, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And I never liked that phrase because I thought, why would I want to have a bird in my hand? And, you know, because they've got those little claw things and they scratch and, and sharp pointy beaks. You know, they could poke your eye out because you, you've all seen the pirate with a bird on his shoulder and an eye patch. And I thought, why, why grab onto a bird? These, these things are terrifying. You know, they're, they're wonderful when they're flying, but I didn't quite understand why... Why would you want to uh, grab one? Uh, and, and the phrase actually goes back to the 1400s. And, and I knew the meaning even then. Uh, this idea of be content with what you have and don't take unnecessary risks for something more. Don't be greedy uh, was basically it. And, and not only was the phrase somewhat troubling to me and concerning because I didn't want to be holding on to a bird, but I also thought, that's not always the best advice. You know, as these phrases generally go, sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't really work. Um, I'm glad Abraham didn't go with that idea, because Abraham had a bird, if you want to use that metaphor, had a bird in his hand, and he just, 
he just let it go. Um, the Puritan Thomas Manton uh, calls the faith of Abraham the kind of faith that lets go and grabs hold at, at the same time. He's letting go of something, but he's grabbing hold of something else. Uh, John Kelvin writes, it is no ordinary trial of faith to give up what we have in hand in order to seek what is afar off and unknown to us. And that's exactly what Abraham did. And we see that in verses uh, 8 uh, through 12. And I, I want to just take some time to, to think about uh, Abraham and, and what he did. He obeyed, it says in verse 8, obeyed when he was called. And, and this event goes back to Genesis chapter 12 when, when God told him to go. And, and you see in the original language that he goes immediately. Uh, he didn't uh, try to come up with excuses or, or, or think of uh, something else or, or ham and haw. He, he went. Um, and, and what makes it remarkable is Abraham really had no godly examples around him. Uh, he lived in a pagan nation. His family uh, was pagan. And, and uh, not only uh, were they pagan, and, and he didn't really have a, a great godly example to follow, um, he had a pretty good there. Uh, where he was coming from was also a, a pretty profitable place at, for the time. And he had it comfortable. And he could have just kept going along and, and things were good. I mean, it was pagan, that, that's the bad part of it, but as far as his lifestyle, it was pretty good. And, and he was told to go, and, and you kind of contrast this with Noah a little bit. Noah was told, build the ark because a flood's coming. I'm going to destroy this place, so you better build an ark. God didn't say that to Abraham. He didn't say, I'm going to drop a meteor and blow this place up. He just said, go. And so Abraham just went because he was, he was told to. And, and we do see a little bit of, of Jesus calling his disciples in that, don't we? As Jesus would say, come, follow me. And they'd leave behind their father and their boats and, and whatever. And, and Peter even mentioned that to Jesus one time in Luke 18. said, Jesus, we, we gave up our homes and we followed you. And, and Jesus said, yeah, and you'll be blessed because you did. And, that, and that's often how God will call his disciples, say, follow me. And sometimes it does mean giving up some things and, and maybe some people that, that just aren't going to go with you. And that's what Abraham did. He, he left home and he left his family. He left his friends. He left everything he was familiar with. He left a land that was pretty prosperous, actually. And to add more to that, he didn't even know where he was going. You notice that in verse 8 as well, not knowing where he was going. God didn't come up with an itinerary and say, here you go, and when you get to the X, there's going to be a cave full of gold for you. Nothing like that. He just went. And God pretty much told him, now when you start going, then I'll tell you where to go next. And so Abraham, he, he goes. Now he did have this promise in verse 9. He, he went to live in the land of promise uh, by faith. But even there, uh, he was living in a tent. As were Isaac and, and Jacob. They get mentioned here. We'll talk more about them later on. But, but he's living in, in this tent. 
but he's looking forward to something. And you notice that in verse 10. He's looking forward to a city with foundations. You know, a tent doesn't have foundations. That's got poles and a good stiff wind is going to take that away. But Abraham is thinking, but God is leading me to this city with foundations built by God. This will be nothing about human achievement. God is building this city. And Abraham, who had it pretty good, remember he had it pretty good going, and, and God's not telling him really where he's going, just go that direction. John Owen uh, writes, Abraham wholly committed himself to the power, faithfulness, goodness, and direction of God without having the least encouragement about the place he was going to. And that seems kind of daunting, doesn't it? If, if someone said, I want you to go someplace, and they just don't tell you where you're going, give you no encouragement at all about going to that place, and you say, no, my easy chair is right here. I think I'll just stay, thank you. But Abraham went. And then there's even more to the promise of Abraham that seems, that seems even less likely. Uh, children. He's supposed to have descendants. Uh, and then you see this in verse 11 and, and 12. And, and Sarah is involved in this, of course. That's his wife. And, and so we see Sarah's faith in this. And you might think, well, wait a minute. I know a little bit about Sarah. And didn't she laugh? when she was told she was going to have a baby at 90 years old. I mean, who wouldn't chuckle a little bit at that? And didn't she also come up with this bad scheme about having her, her servant have Abraham's son and, and then she would claim him as her own? And, and yeah, and, and there's actually a little encouragement in there because uh, sometimes when we act uh, goofy rather than faithfully, uh, God will still work with us as he worked with Sarah, kept working on her until she realized, you know, God's really going to do this. And, and God can do this. She, she trusted God. He's, he's faithful. He's going to do this. And apparently it's going to happen. And, and by faith, uh, then Sarah uh, conceives and, and has, has a child. She couldn't do it in her prime. But yet, at 90 years old, as impossible as that uh, may seem, she had, she had a child because God had promised it. And what we see with Abraham and, and Sarah and, and some of these others that we'll mention along the way is this, this far-sighted uh, perspective, if you will, this, this faith that goes beyond what's comfortable and understands God's playing the long game here. And, and there's something there that's even more real than what I can see back here. And I can give up these comforts, if you will, to, to follow God, because that's what he has is even more real. You know, and this past year has really uh, been a tough year on on a lot of us, almost all of us, and, and our comforts really have been shaken. We know what it's like to live uh, somewhat uncomfortably. And, and one of the, as I talk with people, one of the things I hear is, is this uh, wish, this desire, just to be able to go back to how things used to be. 
You know, when can I just walk in a store and, and, and shop like I used to, or go to a restaurant like I used to, or, or, or watch a ball game and there actually be fans in the stands, and then, you know, just these things that we used to do, and, and how, when, when can we get back to that? Yeah, and we kind of got thrown into that, this discomfort and lives all messed up. Abraham went willingly. Yeah, this will mess up my life, but he, here he goes. He went willingly and immediately. He went without directions. You know, and, and the tough question is, do I have that kind of faith? What if I have walked into this uh, willingly and immediately? But Abraham uh, knew that, that God's promises are so real once again, you go to that verse 1 again, the assurance of things hoped for. It's, he knows it's real. They're so real, he's willing to give up everything, all of his comfort, and, and go. And, and there's a sense, even if you want to add to what uh, Abraham did, there's a sense, even at the start, that he's not going to see the entirety of the promise. He's just kind of getting started. At least from an earthly perspective, he's not going to see the whole thing play out. Uh, and, and in verses uh, 13 through 16, we see that. In verse 13, he, he died in faith, uh, not having uh, received uh, the things promised. He had this faith that was fixed on, on more than just earthly property and, and physical lineage. I mean, that was the promise, but, but he's saying that there is, there's more. I'll get started with this, but, but God is, is working, and, and we'll just keep going with this. In fact, when, when he died, he really didn't have uh, any land at all. He was promised land, but didn't have any. In fact, uh, the only land he owned when he died was a burial plot. He bought that when, his, when Sarah died, and, and that's all he had. But his, his life is this uh, metaphor or illustration, uh, if you will, that, that we are strangers and, and exiles uh, in this land, as it says uh, in, in verse 13. They're, they're strangers, exiles uh, on, on the earth. The, the tents, the idea of the tent in verse 9 shows uh, that temporary nature um, it's not really until after he died that he would uh, see, if, if I can use that term, that he would really see uh, things happen. He, he, he knew it. He, he, could, he could see it afar off when he was living. Okay, it's out there. But it's not until he died that things really came uh, into being. And, and those with him, as, as well as, as he, um, uh, they were clearly uh, seeking uh, this homeland, it says in verse 14. Uh, they, they are seeking uh, this, this homeland that's out there. And, and it mentions uh, Abraham and others. And what the author is doing here is showing, uh, especially the original readers, but us something. That even people in the old covenant Abraham, when the covenant with God, and then Moses, even those people, they were looking for something beyond that covenant. They knew that the promise was, was out there somewhere. They, they, they knew that God had a plan 
And they're looking for this heavenly city. They're looking beyond uh, this, this covenant. And this kind of gets to the heart of the passage here uh, in verse 15. Uh, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. And remember, uh, the writer is, is writing to first century Jewish Christians who are tempted to go back to Judaism. And the author is more or less saying, look, those people, they were looking ahead. So don't look back to them. Look ahead as they were looking ahead. Use them as good examples, but don't look back to that covenant because they were looking for something else. That's where you should be looking as well. And if Abraham had had his mind fixed on what he once had, the, the comforts of home, if you will, he could have gone. You know, like I said, God didn't destroy the place. He could have gone back. You kind of think of Israel in the wilderness after they left Egypt, and that was horrible in Egypt, but they were whining and complaining the whole time. When can we go back? Can't we just go back? Abraham could have gone back had he wanted to. I like how one theologian writes, faith is the principle not only of initiation, but also of perseverance. It's one thing to set out in faith, but it's quite another just to keep going, even when you don't see the things you're hoping to see at the time. The blessing is found not in going back, but in moving forward. And that's what the author is, is writing to us here. They desired more than just this earthly uh, country. Uh, they had their sights set on the heavenly. We see that in verse 16. Their sights set on the heavenly on the real, on this, uh, this city that God had uh, prepared. As it says, that as it is in verse 16, they desire a better country, a heavenly one, a real city, no mirage, a city that has foundations, uh, as we saw in verse 10. You know, Jesus told his disciples, uh, I'll go, and, and John 14 said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. John, in, in Revelation 21 and 22, he, he writes of seeing a city, a real city, the, the new earth. It's the real, it's the eternal, it's the promised. And that's what they desired. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, he, he writes, The one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And then a few verses later, he writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this faith in, in God and this desire for God and, and his promises, this, this forward-looking faith. And, and, and I love how it, it says this in, in verse 16, that they're desiring this heavenly country, and therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. And just let that thought sink in for a second. God is not ashamed to be called their God. And let me just take that to an extreme. You know, if everyone I knew, if my family disowned me, said, I don't care, you know, he, he's, he's goofy, 
we don't even want to know him anymore. And all my friends said, yeah, I don't know what we ever saw on him. We don't like him either. And, it, and, and everybody on the face of the earth says, no, nope, that guy, he's just a loser. I'm going to give up on him. But God says, you know what? I'm glad to be his God. I will take that deal every day of the week. And I hope you would too. That God would be glad to be called your God. It's a wonderful thought when we, when we think of it and, and what it means. And Abraham, he has far more faith in God and, and God's promises than anyone in the world or anything in the world. And he's got this faith that, that perseveres and looks beyond this life. And then that takes us to our last few verses here, verses 17 uh, through 22. And, and we'll go uh, somewhat quickly through this. It, it mentions four guys, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph. You notice that in those verses. And, and the one a unifying uh, theme, uh, besides the faith here, is that in all of these, death looms, if you notice that. Abraham's going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Uh, Isaac and Jacob, they're on their deathbeds uh, when they give these blessings. And, and Joseph as well uh, is about to die as he tells them what to do with his bones. There's death looming in all of this. And of course, the most severe and unexpected of the trials of these guys was uh, uh, Abraham offering up Isaac. And this comes from Genesis 22. And, and once again... God told uh, Abraham what to do, and Abraham didn't delay. It was the next morning. He said, well, now we're going to go to the mountain. Uh, he, he obeyed immediately and without complaint when he was told to go and sacrifice this promised son, this, this descendant, the, the child I had promised, and, and everything's in peril now. Uh, in verse 18, you know, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And, and here now Abraham says, well, I guess I'm going to have to go kill him. And it was clear to Abraham that God had a way of resolving this problem, which at the time was unrevealed. Again, we see that theme. God didn't tell him what the outcome was going to be. Just go do this. And Abraham said, yeah, but God's got a plan. He's got a plan. And, and you know what? He might even, I might kill Isaac, and Isaac just might come back to life. When he left the, the other people to go up on the mountain with Isaac, he said, the boy and I will return. He knew God was going to work somehow, and he obeyed without calling into question God's wisdom or God's goodness. And just as, as Isaac is laid out and and. Abraham has, has the, the knife up and, and ready to kill him. There's this dramatic turn of events and, and the angel says, don't, stop, stop right now. And, and Isaac, who was as good as dead at that point, uh, it's like Abraham gets him back and, and there's an animal that they can sacrifice instead. Um, and, and Isaac then, uh, in, in his lifetime, he was a, a sojourner, but yet invokes future blessings uh, in faith. That's in verse 20. Uh, same with Jacob. Uh, he invokes uh, future blessings. And, and notice uh, with Jacob, and it says, and he, he, in worship, uh, he, he, he 
worshiped over the head of his staff. He bowed in worship over the head of his staff. And, and he did that, uh, that's from Genesis 47. He did that right after Joseph had promised to bury him in the promised land. He was in Egypt at the time because there had been a famine and they had gone to Egypt. And, and when Joseph said, yes, I will take you to the promised land and bury you there, then he worshiped God because he said, you know what? Because they're all going to end up there. And that's exactly what Joseph said too at the end of his life. He said, you take my bones with you. And when you think of Joseph, I mean, he had made a great name for himself in Egypt. He could have had the greatest shrine built for himself. One of the, the pyramids, we'd all be standing and saying, whoa, wasn't Joseph a great guy? Look at this great shrine that they built for him. Um, but no, he said, no, you take my bones and you take them with you when you go. And that was still uh, a long time in the future. But he didn't care about the worldly pomp, building himself a shrine. And he had complete faith that God's promise was better than anything that he was going to find in Egypt. And not only that, but God was more trustworthy uh, than anybody he was going to find. You will go. Take me with you when you go. And you know, at times, uh, we may think that, that God's promises don't really have a, a real chance of working out, of, of being fulfilled. You know, sometimes we can, we can fall into that trap of thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe uh, we push God too far and, and, and it's just not going to happen. And a lot of times we'll kind of want to hold on to, to what's visible, if you will, or, or what's comfortable, or what we find honorable. You know, maybe uh, thinking, okay, uh, before I die, I've got to prove to a couple people that I'm right about something. You know, th that kind of attitude. Uh, we want to make the name for ourselves. To do the things that we know we're doing. But we go back to that definition again from verse 1. Faith being the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we learn from Abraham this faith that is so forward-looking that it looks even beyond death. Jesus defeated death. You know, when Jesus himself died, the disciples were kind of standing around thinking, well, I guess this is over. What, what's going to happen now? And they kind of went to a room and then, well, what's our next move? But God defeated death. Jesus came back. And if he can defeat death, well, there's really nothing that can keep him from uh, keeping his promises with us. And as we walk in faith uh, like Abraham, it's not so much the starting out in faith, it's the continuing in faith. It's not the short view, but looking at the long view, looking even beyond death into eternity. The blessing is in the endurance of our faith. And there is nothing, nothing in this world that can compare with God's approval that God would look at you and say, I am glad to be your God and bring you into that city. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a loving God. Help us to have that faith in you that is so real that even if we can't see what the next step is, we take it in faith. That we follow you because your promises are so real and so trustworthy and so true that we know we can give it all up and follow you. A God who loves us and is happy to be our God. We do love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then if you will stand, we're going to get the piano for this or not? I don't want to put the pressure on you. We'll just sing it. All right, sounds good. I didn't tell her this beforehand, so I, you know, that was an improvising there. If you want to start with the first two words...